1: This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Hey everyone, welcome. Thanks for joining me for this tasty treat, a little amuse bouche of a chat to prepare you for the excellent, dark, funny, and satirical The Menu. I'm so happy to be joined by the film's writers, Will Tracy and Seth Reese. Tracy and Reese worked together on The Onion, the satirical news publication. Tracy, a writer on Succession, wrote one of my all-time favorite episodes, Turn Haven, where the Roy family dine with the Pierces, two families on opposite ends of the political aisle, but both obscenely rich. Tracy and Reese gave their script to director Mark Milode, who worked with Tracy on Succession, and it was just too delicious to pass up. The menu stars Rafe finds as Chef Slowick, a world-class celebrity master chef with a dark plan. A lucky group of diners paying $1,250 apiece are invited to his exclusive restaurant and island, Hawthorne, for a multiple-course menu of conceptual food with a very, very sinister ending. The diners, played by, among others, Nicholas Holtz and Anya Taylor-Joy, consist of a foodie, a powerful, prestigious food critic and actor, old and new money. A cross section of high society clamoring to be included in this exclusive context. Welcome to Hawthorne. Here we are, family. Yes, we harvest, we ferment, we gel. We gel. We gel.
0: He's not just a chef, he's a storyteller. The game is trying to guess what the overarching theme of the entire meal is going to be. You won't know till the end.
1: So I'm going to start because I have so many questions. Do you mind if I call you Will and Seth?
2: Sure, please. Yeah,
1: good.
2: Some other first names. (laughs) Yeah, right.
1: So Will and Seth, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you for this incredible movie. I had such a great time watching it. Oh,
2: great. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you.
1: So, Will, I understand that the idea for the menu came from a dinner that you and your wife had in Norway. And I'm afraid to ask what happened on that dinner, but I'm going to anyway.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no one died.
1: Yeah, no one died.
2: No, I mean, I, it was, it was a, a, an intense psychodrama that was incurring only in, in my head. Um, uh, it was a, a quiet dinner, in which nothing dramatic whatsoever transpired. But I'm a somewhat claustrophobic person. And I, um, for some reason, had not uh, calculated the obvious fact that, oh, I'm going to be on an island and it's going to be a long dinner and I'm going to be stuck there and we're going to be away from the mainland in Norway. And uh, what if something goes wrong, and we're being served endless amounts of kind of strange Nordic food. And uh, I found the experience slightly disconcerting as a, as a um, neurotic person. But also as a, as a writer found it, um, I, I was aware even at the time that that would be an interesting precinct for something, any, any place that dredges up that kind of extreme feeling sometimes can be, a, it's a good sign that there might be a story there. Um,
1: and was your wife able to enjoy the dinner when you're? Oh yes, <laughs>
2: she's been able to uh, tolerate and sometimes even enjoy my neuroses. I uh, think it's the greatest show on earth. <laughs> so uh, so yes, uh, uh, and I remember telling her at the dinner, you know I think as a by means of distracting myself, uh, Seth, and I are old friends and old colleagues um, from writing at, uh, The Onion, um, and so kind of old comedy writing pals. And so it seemed to me that that might be, a, uh, and to both of us, that that might be fertile ground for some sort of satire, and maybe ground that hadn't been tilled before.
1: Seth, I understand that Dominique Cren, a French chef now based in San Francisco, was a consultant on the venue. and she's actually the first woman in the U.S. to be awarded three Michelin stars. What are some of the things you learned from her? The details about this world, this cooking.
0: Well, for me, I learned I learned everything from her. <laughs> uh, but, but actually, no. What, what I what I learned from is kind of what I expected a little bit because, um, is that she, she's an artist and, and the dishes that chef Sloic serve in our movie are not necessarily the types of dishes that Dominique would serve in her restaurant. She has a much warmer approach to food and, uh, the style of her food is, uh, not as cold and um, not as almost mathematical as Chef Chef Slowik's food is, and so, so she as an artist uh, had to sort of get into get into Chef Slowik's headspace and sort of how would he design the this food and this script, and uh, so she had to kind of get into character herself.
1: That's amazing. I thought you might get a kick out of this. This is me eating a cotton candy-infused foie gras lollipop.
2: Sure, nice. the
1: only At the only restaurant, that type of restaurant I've been to, it was Is it not good? very filling. Um, Is it good? <laughs> It was not taste. But, yeah, I needed more food, I can say. But that type of food, in terms of research, sort of debunking the experience, what did you do? How did you do that?
2: Yeah, in terms of debunking the experience, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think that... Um, a lot of it was about the, the the characters that we populated that room with, but uh, you know, a lot of it was just doing quite a bit of research into that type of modernist food, which I think Seth and I vacillate between the two poles of thinking it's kind of magical. I look at that photo of the cotton candy in in <laughs> and part of me feel rolls my eyes, and part of me feels like I bet that was cool. that would have been a fun night, and I. Would, <laughs> I wish I tried that. I can't help, but have, I I feel the same, I feel the same exact way. I I mean, what a,
0: what a cool idea. I've never seen that before and that somebody brought something to life uh, that we had never
2: experienced. So. I think With you, if you're writing something that is not to use what in Seth and I, in our previous lives is more straight comedy writers that word satire can be a bit of a dirty word sometimes amongst comedy writers because sometimes it's it seems like a highfalutin word you know uh about uh comedy that's not actually funny uh but uh but i do think there is there is good satire and bad satire and i think good satire demands uh, oftentimes to have some degree of Empathy, or appreciation, or l- love for the, the the subject or the world to really understand it, and to and to really come at it with, with the, the the nuance required. Yeah.
0: To, it has to, to be eviscerate. authentic. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, I think, t- yeah. I mean, typically, artists don't make things, for the most part. The artists don't make things because they truly hate them and they truly want to take them down. It's usually starts from a place of deep, deep love for that thing
2: or and, interest yeah, right. what's that? or just fascination interest
0: Fascinate, yeah yeah fa- fascination for, with that yeah. thing that's that's actually quite healthy and um right. not, actu- not actually not actually mean spirited it's just you know i can simultaneously be very wary of chef and his ego but also be utterly fascinated with how he's fascinated with his ego and right. understand why he is fascinated with his ego and why he is, and and how his ego drives him for better or worse. Um, I I don't I don't hate him for that, and I I don't love him for that. I'm just fascinated by him.
1: And you were talking about the the patrons that you've written in this film. It's really a cross section of several types of really obscenely rich people. Talk a little bit about the people that are drawn to a place like Hawthorne and why.
2: I think everyone in that dining room has something to gain from what that restaurant means culturally. And even if they're not aware of it necessarily, but you know, the, there's the foodie at, at, at uh, the Tyler character whose whole identity is based around what they're making in that kitchen. Uh, But then there's also the, the food critic whose um, kind of cultural status depends upon uh, people uh, on being considered or thought of as the arbiter of what is good and what is bad in the world of food, then, then there's the tech guys sort of at their table who actually have a financial stake in in the product. And so everyone there, even though they maybe think of themselves as um, culturally somehow apart from that restaurant, they're it's all part of the same somewhat sickening ecosystem which I think has made, is part of what's contributed to Chef Sloak's um, increasing um, frustration. And But there's and like the a certain fact. kind
1: of rich person, like Trump, he would never like that food, right?
2: I mean, that's the thing, yeah. right? It's sort of like you you look around the room like that and there are certain people who are there for reasons of status and affluence, and that's they are swimming where other fish like them have would swim, and that's the only right. reason why they're there. And then there are people who are there because they actually might not be rich. Maybe they saved up. I mean, we don't really know how much money Tyler has or, or how much uh, um, money uh, the food critic's um, companion has, but they're right. there because it's a special occasion. And I actually, sorry. No, I, I actually uh, think someone like Donald
0: Trump would not only go to a place like that, whether or not he liked the food, he would say he loved it. And he would also try to be Chef Sloak's friend because he sees an alpha and he wants to be friends with another alpha who has a lot so of. the
1: context. Uh, yeah, who has a lot of uh, a capital. capital.
0: Yeah, that's he right. Would got, there is nothing more than someone like Donald Trump would love to do than put Chef sloak in his contacts in his phone. So yeah. like, yeah, so that you know, we we see him as like a Diet Coke, Diet Coke and like hot dog like guy or whatever. But well, we've seen pictures of him in
2: George. Yeah, but he yeah. Like,
0: he loves being seen and going to like. He's yeah. a rich. He's a billionaire. I think. I think the one. The one. The, you know. The one. The one thing that Will and I were also excited about with those people is not so much also their wealth. Obviously, that their wealth is a way in, but it's also just about entitlement and just how you can be not rich and still feel entitled. And I think there's there's there is something in our culture now of just constant consumption, consumption, consumption of content, and we don't tend to think about how hard it is to produce that content, or we don't think about uh, the people providing it for us. All we want is just to continue to consume it and consume it. And on the other end though, if that is your vocation, that's what you've chosen to do to provide the content, you have to come to terms with that in, in some way. You can either continue doing that or kill everyone. <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> well, that's a good I mean, you've written for or will you've written for a succession, you know, there's White Lotus, there's Triangle of Sadness, there's all these. Um, why do you think the time is ripe for talking about satirizing class like this?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's uh, there, obviously there's some sort, there's a dissatisfaction in, in the culture, maybe about people um, who feel as though because of this stratification of our of our politics and and because of capitalism people feel they have um very little voice in our political process even though we're um supposedly a a very advanced and free democracy so i think you know it's it's what what can we affect um uh, what how do we participate in our society sadly it's more and more through entertainment and so it's it's uh, to me i think it's inevitable that these frustrated stories about capital are going to make their way into our entertainment because where else can we uh, show our activism where else can we affect change and i it's honestly though seth and i weren't um these it's not an issue we talked about that much during the writing i mean i think we were focused specifically on on culture and content and these types of restaurants and and these types of egos and these types of artists it just so happens that you know Yes, chef is an artist, but other artists can make a really, really expensive movie, but you don't have to be a really rich person to go see it. At a restaurant, if you're creating this really expensive, elaborate, amazing meal, there's a price point. And so the people who can make it in, the price of admission is steep. And um, that's part part of the issue for him is that um, he's limited the clientele to a certain type of person who either is very, very rich or... Uh, has invested a lot of money to go to a restaurant like this um, because it it has become an unhealthy obsession for them Uh, so it's it's a it's a very narrow and it's stultifying and creepy world that he's a corner that he's painted himself into and literally on an island
1: they want me to to wrap up so i have one final question we see um, Rob Yang there, who was, of course, Lawrence, the uh, CEO of Volter right. on Succession, who <laughs> is another member of the Succession family that would have paid for this experience. That would have Kendall, paid for
2: this experience. Right? I mean, I would say Kendall would probably, this is closest to Kendall. Um, I think he would like to be adjacent to a kind of where he thinks uh, extreme wealth and uh extreme um, disruptive creativity join and i like i think he would like to think that he embodies both of those aspects and, yeah.
0: and it would be a very fun scene to watch all of that all the roy family talking about their various experiences yeah, yeah, absolutely on. yes it would that'd be so funny
1: <laughs> it would so now you know anyway thank you so much for talking to me thank, thank
0: you thank you very Bye.
1: much Thank you so much to Will Tracy and Seth Reese for joining me. The menu premieres in theaters on November 18th. And thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. Bon appétit.
0: You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories,